But grab out your Bible and your notes um, this morning. I just do encourage you to continue. Start a new habit this year of taking notes, all right? We take notes around here because I think it's an important part of what we do spiritually because God will speak to you in these times in worship or in the sermon. Something I say might make sense to you. You write it down, right? You don't forget it. Uh, and then you can reference those things in your spiritual journey. would encourage you to take some notes. Uh, but I honestly, I feel a little bad this morning. Um, I feel a little bit like I've dropped the ball because this is a topic that we're going to talk about that I thought that I talk about all the time. I thought like I reference it, I do, but I was checking in my notes and I preached on it once in three years. Come on, somebody. It is not. All right. So this is this is on me. Um, this is something I think there's some misconceptions, uh, maybe some misinterpretations of what this actually is, what the 21 days signify in January, what we're actually doing as a church. Uh, and so I think I can correct those this morning because it is a central part of our culture at Victory. This is a central part of who we are and what we do. And I really thought that I teach on it. So I should teach on it more frequently. All right, everybody. So I'm just, I'm just laying that one out to you. I'm going to show you a couple of principles from God's word. And then we're going to talk about this prayer and fast. We're going to talk about this call to 21 days of fasting and what that means for you personally, what it means for your family, what it means for our church. Because nothing happens in the natural until it first happens in the spiritual. And so this is an important three weeks. I promise you, these are the most important three weeks of your year if you get them right. If you get them right, if you start it off right. And if you participate, I encourage you to participate. If you've never done it with us before, never fasted, never done, I encourage you to jump in on these three weeks. And I promise you, your spiritual life will grow like you've never seen it grow before. So we're going to start. So I'm going to kick off with a story in Matthew chapter 17. And this is Jesus and his disciples, uh, like they often do. They're traveling somewhere, all right? So they, they're ministering to people along the way. He's got his guys with him, his team. And so they come. And when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus, and he knelt before him. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son, because he's suffering greatly. He has seizures. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So he brings his boy. And he said, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. So the disciples had tried, right? They had prayed, but they didn't do a good job. They couldn't do it. And so he brought him to say, so here's Jesus. So he like borderline verbally abuses his team right here, which I think is funny. I think it's just a good, good time. I don't care what you say. I think it's funny. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. Like he just, he says this to his disciples, like in front of people, like, how long shall I stay with you? How long do I do? Like he says this in front of them. So I, I think it's funny he's doing. He's just like, Lord, have myself have mercy. Like he's just thinking, like, just have mercy. How long do I have to stay with you people? How long do I have to put up with you? But bring the boy to me, he said. And so they bring him and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment on. He was healed at that moment. There's two things in that passage. There's two things that Jesus talks about his team, two reasons why they're not able to cast out this, this demon. The two things why they don't have the spiritual authority in this scenario, why they're not able to do it and why he thinks. But the first thing that he calls them, he calls them, he says, unbelieving and perverse. He says, you're unbelieving and you're perverse. And so unbelieving simply means that they were disconnected from God. They weren't connected to the Father. So unbelieving, right, that word there means there wasn't enough faith. There wasn't belief. They weren't connected to the Lord and their relationship enough. And then they were perverse. So they weren't connected to God. And then they were too connected to the world. They were perverse in their thinking. They were perverse in their lives. Perverse means to twist or to turn or to change. And a lot of times that happens to followers of Christ. When we get too disconnected from God, and we get too connected to the world, a lot of things start to shift. A lot of things start to twist in our lives, in our thinking, in our mentalities. And we start to believe, well, maybe God could do it for that person, but he's not going to do it for me. And we start to disbelieve the things that God has already said. We start to think, well, he's not able to do what he said he would do, or he won't, he's not willing to do what he said he will do. And we get perverse in our thinking. And so he says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, 
And then we get too much into the world. And I'm not condemning, by the way. I'm not. We watch television and we listen to music and all the rest of that. But we can be in the world, but not of the world. And a lot of times we get too connected to those things. We get too connected in our lives to those things. And it's something we have to take our spiritual temperature on with a regularity in our lives. We have to begin to take our spiritual temperature on how connected are we to those things? How connected are we? And the devil's a master at twisting, a master at perversing, a master at twisting those things in our lives where suddenly we start to see truth as a gray area. We start to see the things that we are connected to. We start to see them as this gray area where we say, well, maybe maybe what's right is now wrong and what was wrong is now right. And you look at the culture that we live in. This is something Jesus prophesied would happen. And it is happening. When we start to call what is wrong right and we start to call what is right wrong. And truth becomes a gray area. And so sometimes Christians become confused in what they should be doing and what they should be watching and what they should even be believing. But God's word doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today and forever. The word of God doesn't change. And so... A lot of times we drift in our relationship with the Lord. A lot of times we'll drift and all of a sudden we find ourselves in pursuit of earthly things. And it becomes too much. We find ourselves finding things in our hearts that are bigger than God. And it's just something that we need to continue to check on in our spiritual temperature. We find things that are taking his place. And Jesus said, if you want spiritual authority, you cannot be unbelieving and perverse. If you want to be able to cast out this level, whatever they are, this authority, if you want to have that, you cannot be unbelieving and perverse. And so he gives this verbal tongue lashing to these disciples, these nine disciples who are trying to do this. He's just like, you guys, you dudes, I have spent three years of my life with you. I have spent three years boy, and you can't cast out this demon. He is just he's upset with him. All right. And so he says, how long shall I stay with you? I've already given three. I just, he's upset right here. All right. And how long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. See, that's a problem that happens to all of us as believers. If it happened to the disciples who three years hands on ministry with Jesus, if it happened to them, I guarantee it will happen oftentimes in our lives. Where we'll have this time of spiritual drift. And if we're not careful, we won't even notice it until suddenly we're pointing in the completely wrong direction. And we just kind of let the boat drift. We'll let the truth get twisted. We'll get distant from God. So it's a problem that with regularity we have to correct. And Jesus gives us a solution. So his team, probably embarrassed, watch this next verse. His team, disciples come, and they do this all the time. I love this part about the disciples. They like, they're like, Jesus, can we, can we like talk to you over there? Like not in front of people. Can we like, like just can you not do this in front of people, right? It's like a, I don't know, I think it's funny. He said, would we talk to you in private? And he asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we drive it out? And so Jesus answers them and he says, because you have so little faith. So they're probably thankful this wasn't in front of people. Because you have such little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and it will move. Now, I don't have a mustard seed this morning, but I do have a Tic Tac. All right, everybody. I do have a Tic Tac. My wife, my wife told me, you know, a Tic Tac is bigger than a mustard seed, right? And I said, don't ruin my illustration. This is all that's available in Baton Rouge on a Saturday night. All right, everybody. This is, well, that's beside the point. That's not the point. This is the point is a Tic Tac is very small. Everybody say Tic Tac faith. Come on, somebody. Everybody say Tic Tac faith. Tic Tac faith. If you had Tic Tac faith, if you had something as small as a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Move from here to there and it will move. You could literally speak to mountains if you trusted God this much. It's not that much. All right, everybody. I don't know if you know this. It's not that much. If you literally trusted God that much, you could say to mountains, move from here to there. The disciples didn't have that much faith. Jesus told them that they didn't have that much faith in the situation. In fact, he said, if you had that much faith, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing in this world. Think about that for a moment. If we had that faith that Jesus is talking about, nothing in the world, nothing on this planet would be impossible. What would that look like for Christians? 
that nothing, do we even believe those words? Jesus said it. If we have that much faith, then nothing would be impossible. If you can have some tic-tac faith, just mustard seed faith. If we could settle in our hearts just this much that God would do what he said he would do, that he'll answer how he said he will answer, that he can move like he said he'll move. If we could settle that in our hearts, nothing would be impossible. But Jesus goes on to say, and he says, but this kind, speaking about this situation, the spiritual authority that they wanted but they didn't have, this kind only comes out with fasting and prayer. With fasting and prayer. So he's talking about the unbelief and the perversion that they had. He says, in order to have that spiritual authority, you want to get to that level. You want that in your life. And all of us do. We all read those verses and we think, I want to be at that point. I want to be where Jesus wants me to be spiritually. He says, you want to have that in your life. It only comes by fasting and prayer. It only comes by fasting and prayer. That's how you get rid of the unbelief and the perverse. It's how we get rid of our own lives. It's how we take our spiritual temperature and we right the ship. We get back on the right track is by fasting and prayer. So a lot of times we get too perverse and unbelieving. So we get disconnected from God and then we get too connected to the world. And so the way that we remedy that is by prayer and fasting. It's why we do this in January every year. It's why we set aside these 21 days. We're going to take these three weeks because it connects us to God. That's prayer. That connects us and it solves that unbelief part. And then it disconnects us from the world. That's fasting. That's where we begin to silence the voice of the world. We begin to give up those things that have got their claws in us. We begin to give those things up so that we can hear God. So that we can step into spiritual authority. So you can have prayers answered. And so that's why we pray and fast. That's why we do this thing in conjunction with each other. That's why it's so powerful in the life of a believer. So we pray and we declare our dependence on God. We say, I need you in my life. God, I need your power in my life. And then we fast and that disconnects us from the world. That disconnects us from it. We're perverse and unbelieving. We're unbelieving. We're too far from God. So prayer corrects that. And then we're connected to the world. And so fasting corrects that. Come on, somebody. Fasting really corrects that, all right? You'll you'll learn a little bit. We'll talk about that in just a second. So fasting, though, disconnects us from those filters. It disconnects us from those things that try to pervert our perspective. It tries to change. It tries to twist. It tries to even change how we look and how we read our Bibles. Where it changes from reading God's word to, well, it's just another book that I, you know, I have in my library. It changes it into something, okay, God is speaking to us. God is letting us know how he wants us to live our lives, how he wants us to structure, how he wants us to trust him. And so prayer and fasting lets us take that temperature and then it helps us get right back on the track. So for 21 days, I just want to encourage you, invite you January 5th through the 25th. So it's the 5th, that's today. So we started this morning just praying together as a corporate body. And then Monday through Friday, 6 a.m., 6 p.m., and Saturday at 9 a.m., where we just have this chance to pray and to fast. If you've never done it with us before, I encourage you, let this be your time. Man, just make it a decide in your heart and then join us tomorrow, 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., right here in the sanctuary, where you just have that chance to, to jumpstart your year, just continue to disconnect from the world. And it's a long time. Three weeks is a long time. I'm not going to lie to you, so choose your fast wisely. All right, choose the fast that you're going to do, and I'll help you with that in just a minute. But we're going to fast for 21 days. And there's a scripture we use for that in Daniel, where Daniel is fasting and praying, and he's prayed for an answer. And it, the Bible says the answer was dispatched on the day that he prayed. But the devil warred against the angel bringing the answer. And so for 21 days, Daniel has to spiritually pray and fast and war in the spirit so that until the answer comes. And so we take that and we begin to fast for 21 days. Seems like a good number, right? A lot of churches do it. That's why we do it. It's not anything super deep. It's just we fast for 21 days. We pray and we fast. God might lead you to fast for 50 days. Praise the Lord. Save you. Lord, let the blessing of the Lord be upon you. It's what we're going to do as a church, though. 21 days. So from January 5th to the 25th, we're going to pursue God and we're going to embrace this discipline of fasting. We're going to draw close to God in prayer and then we're going to fast and disconnect from the world. 
So I'm going to teach you how to do that, all right? Four things that you have to do during this fast just to kind of jumpstart you, just to kind of teach you how it's going to happen in your life. And you begin to decide with your spouse, with your family, or even by yourself how you're going to do this and what these 21 days are going to look for you. All right, so first thing, first thing you've got to do is you've got to set your prayer list. Just practical things, all right? There's nothing, nothing super deep in here, nothing super spiritual that you can't do until you graduate, nothing like that. I'm just telling you, you've got to set your prayer list. Because a lot of people go into these 21 days with nothing they're praying for. And so I don't know why you're praying. If you've got no goal, you have nothing that you're going into prayer time for. And I'm going to give you a list of these, but you've got to begin to set your target. You've got to begin to ask what you're going to pray for. Because we're going into this believing God is going to move. And so if you don't have anything you're praying for, then God has nowhere to move in your life. You've got to begin to pray. You've got to begin to seek him. So I want to give you some prayer targets and prayer focuses. Something you've got to say, spend some time, like I said, choosing your own target list, choosing your own prayers. My wife, Alyssa, and I have already talked about this, how we're praying for things for our family, for our kids, uh, some corporate things here at the church, for the congregation, for the staff, uh, for the academy in the back. Just some things that you begin to pray for in your own life, for your marriage, for your kids, uh, for your businesses. Whatever it is that you're praying for, begin to set your target and make a list. Right, write those things down. Some of you never write it down. You never reference it. Begin to write those things down. Keep it somewhere that you can access it. Keep it somewhere that you can continue to go back to it in prayer. And then somewhere where you can check off when God answers and you can begin to write those things down to encourage your faith because God will answer. And so a lot of times we forget and we think, well, what have you done for me lately? And we stop to we never stop to look back on, OK, what has God done and how has he moved in my life? And you can encourage yourself and others. Here's a good filter for you. James chapter four. So this is a good filter while you're talking about what you want to pray about, how you want to do it. He says you desire, but you don't have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So you don't have in these 21 days. A lot of times you have no answer at the end of them because you never asked God for anything. You didn't have a prayer target. And then verse three says, but when you ask, you don't even receive then because you ask with the wrong motives. And so here's a good filter for you while you're deciding that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So here's a good filter that James is giving us when you decide. And it's okay to ask God for things. But if God answered every single one of your prayers, would it change your world or would it change the world? If God answered every single one of the prayers that you had on your list, as you begin to pray through these, would it change your world or would it change the world? Begin to use that filter when you say, because it's important we have big prayers. It's important we pray for our world. It's important we pray for our marriage, our finances, our families, our kids. We begin to pray for our businesses. It's important we have those things in our lives. We pray for them. God's not upset with that. What he's not okay with is when we treat him as kind of like a spiritual genie where we think at the end of 21 days, we pull the lever, right? And we get a big house and a Ferrari. It doesn't work like that, all right, everybody? I just, I'll speak that into your life. That's not God's plan. God's plan is at the end of the day that you think he just poof and does. God's not obligated to move. But as we pray, it puts us into a spirit of humility. It puts us in a spirit of dependence where we cry out, God, I know I don't have my life under control. I know I don't have the world under my control, but I know you do. And so we begin to pray and we begin to seek him and say, okay, Lord, I want you to create some spiritual momentum in my life. I want you to answer in this area. I want you to begin to do this and that. That's what God responds to. So here's what we're going to do. Jot these down. This is what we're going to do in our prayer times, what we're going to do in the 21 days. If you'd like to just kind of have a, a jump start to your target list. First one is we're going to de- declare our dependence on God. We're going to begin to declare our dependence upon God. We're going to say, Lord, I've come to the end of myself. I know I can't fix these problems myself. I know I can't kick that addiction myself. I know I can't fix my marriage myself. I know I can't control my kids myself. Come on, somebody. I know I know I can't do this on my own. And so I declare my dependence upon you. Always start your prayer times declaring dependence. 
Always start your prayer times in the correct posture of humility. Because those are the prayers that God hears. God, if you don't intervene, then this thing isn't going to work. And so we begin to declare. We say, Lord, our lives don't go without you. Nothing works without you. Our church doesn't happen without you. Our, our present, it doesn't happen without you. And a lot of us, a lot of times we go into prayer with our list and we go in there with the da 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 and we never declare that dependence. We never go in with humility that he deserves, that he deserves us to come with that correct posture. That's the first thing. We're going to declare our dependence. Another great thing to do during times of prayer is to ask for forgiveness. To have that posture where we begin just to ask the Lord for forgiveness. You look in the Old Testament so many times in the fasting and prayer. So many times when they fast and they pray, it's in an attitude of repentance. It's crying out for forgiveness from the Lord. And a lot of us, I would say all of us, have attitudes and perspectives and actions that are unholy. Things that don't line up with the word of God. All of us have those in our lives. Some of us this morning. Come on, somebody. Some of you, we just have to go into though with that action of forgiveness. We fall short. And so we need to pray, God, would you forgive me? God, would you repent? And then I think that we need to start to repent for the sins of the country, for the sins of the nation. And we begin to cry out to God for the sins that are happening on our watch as the local church. Not that we're crying out for repentance for some other, but the things that happen on our watch as the local church. We begin to cry out, God, would you forgive us as a nation? Would you forgive us for the things, for the adultery and the abortions? And God, would you forgive us as a nation for the things that are happening and things that are... Things that are tax dollars are being put towards and things that are being embraced as normality. It's insanity. And so we begin to cry out for forgiveness. God, would you forgive us that we repent? And the Bible says, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll turn and heal their land. You remember that scripture? I think I got it all right there. I think I got most of that. You remember that, though, that God is saying, if we'll turn and we'll repent. So we cry out for forgiveness. We cry out for forgiveness. And then we refocus our lives on the eternal. We begin to refocus ourselves. So we've, we've come in humility and we've cried out for forgiveness. And then we begin to refocus ourselves in our prayer times. And we begin to focus on the eternal because that's what matters. We begin to see what matters. We begin to cry out, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Lord, turn my heart for what actually breaks yours. And God's heart is for the lost. We begin to remember that Jesus has a prayer list and it's for the lost. That they have a prayer list is for the lost feel a weight, a responsibility to be a part of making a difference in seeing people come to Christ. That we all carry that weight of evangelism on this side of the cross. We all have that weight. The only reason you and I are still breathing is because we're trying to find and seek and save that which was lost. God has us in this world for a purpose. That we utilize every gift that he's given us, every opportunity that he's given, every perspective, every, every chance he gives us. We utilize that to preach the gospel to everybody who can listen. And we begin to use that so we refocus on the eternal. I think fasting and prayer is a good time to be reminded of that fact. That in 2020, God has people in your path that he wants you to reach for the gospel. He had people in your path in 2019. And sadly, some of us miss those opportunities, myself included. Some of us miss those, but we step into the new year. God has people in your path that he wants you to reach. People that nobody else maybe are going to come across their path in their lifetime. Nobody else maybe are going to reach, but he's got you in that position, in that time, in that place. We've got to become aware of it, so we pray that. Lord, refocus us on the eternal. Refocus us on lives, that we're going after God's lost children. I would encourage you, have a list on the side of names that you're believing God for. Just begin to write down those names. I don't care how long you've been praying for them. Pray for them again. Let 2020, it might be their year. This might be the year that they come to Christ. I don't know. It might happen, right? It might happen at Easter. It might happen during the marriage conference. It might happen at the movies in November. I don't know. It might be their year that they come. You see that neighbor or that family member or that spouse or that kid come back to Christ. You see that thing happen and you're like, begin to pray for those. 
Begin to keep that list. Begin to pray for them. Begin to think, okay, this could be the year because this life is not about this life. Praise God for this life. Praise God for the blessings he gives us. Praise God we get to live in America. Praise God we have those blessings, but it's not about that. It's not about the life that we're living. It's about the eternal. And so we've got to refocus on that. And then we're going to invite the presence of God into our lives. We're going to begin to invite his presence into every area of our lives. And so we're going to pray that during these 21 days in the morning, in the evening, whenever it is you do your prayer time, we're going to invite his presence. We need his power. We need his presence. We need him to move. I told you nothing goes without the presence of God. Nothing of substance happens without the presence of God. His, we need it in our lives. And so we're going to invite him in a new and fresh way to invade our lives. Do the same. Because guess what, everybody? We can be normal and still be spiritual. I don't know if you know that, all right? You can be non-spooky spirit-filled. I don't know if, you, if anybody's ever told you that. You can be normal and still be, you can be normal and still pray. You can be normal and still seek the presence of God in your life. You can do that. You can watch the LSU Clemson game and still be praying for healing. And I'd say, come on, somebody. You can still be normal and still have the power and the presence of God in your life. It can happen in your life, all right? Everybody doesn't have to be something weird that happens, but you can still be normal and still make a powerful difference in the world around you. It can still make a difference in the world. We seek and we desire the presence of God. We continue to desire that in our lives. And then we have a prayer list. So this is the point where we come to God for specific needs. So we've asked him for his presence and now we go to him with our needs. And every year I said, make a list. I want to encourage you, make a list. Make a list of those things that you're seeking God for. Maybe you're going to buy a new house in the new year. Maybe you're praying for your marriage or maybe you're praying for your kids or you want an opportunity for them or something in your job. Or, or maybe you're trying to kick an addiction. Whatever it is that you're trying to overcome, have a list that you pray for, all right? Make a list. And then once you set that list, all right, so you've set your target list. You set the things you're going to pray. So then number two, the second thing is you select your fast. And this is the one where everybody tunes out, all right? So, so kind of lean in with me. You select your fast. So after you've decided what you're going to pray for, you decide how you're going to fast. And this is something I think we need a bit of truth in because there are a million different ways for you to fast. And I think sometimes it's been like this gated community where we just keep everybody out because they don't do it like us and they don't do that like us and they're not sacrificing like us. But I would encourage you, there are so many ways that you can fast. And I think if you understood that, it would change your perspective of what the fast is. Because remember, we're disconnecting from the world. We're connecting to God through prayer and we're disconnecting from the world through the fast. Because while fasting is very important, the discipline of it, remember, we're silencing the world. There's a lot of different ways that you can do. Typically, when you think of fasting, you think of not eating for 21 days, all right? You think, I'm just going to drink water. And that is a fast that you can do, praise the Lord. That is something you can do for the 21 days if God leads you to it. Some people do only juices. Some do like a smoothie and proteins. Some blend like a hamburger into a blender, right? And they drink that. There's a lot of different ways. And some of you are being called. You're thinking, like, that's something that I'm being called to do. Or you can just do all water for 21 days. Let me just give you some pastoral advice, all right, everybody? If you've never fasted before, if you've never done this before and you do not eat for 21 days, you will die. All right, everybody, you will, you will die. All right, so there, just, just putting that out, just some minute, right? The Holy Spirit will lead you in what to fast, but he also gave you a brain, everybody. He expects you to use it. All right, so I know sometimes when you're younger and you're kind of gung-ho, I'm going to jump into this thing. I'm just going cold turkey. I'm not going to eat anything for 21 days. And day three, we're drinking Dr. Pepper and eating Pizza Hut, right, and crying about our spiritual failure. That's not spiritual, all right? That's not, that's not what the Bible wants you to do. It's not what God is calling you to do. But there are a lot of ways that he's given you to fast. But if he does lead you to that, by the way, get a doctor involved. There's some ways to detox your body. God bless you. We'll pray for you if he does lead you to the all spiritual. But that is one way that we fast. There's another way that you can do it is all liquids. But there's another way that you fast. It's kind of like Dave, Daniel did later on in the book. So he fasted a few different times in the book of Daniel. So the first one is when they were tested. And so he and the other, the other boys from Israel, they're saying, 
Test us, set us apart. Don't feed us for 10 days with the, the meat that's been defiled, the meat from the king's table. And he says, we're not going to do that. So some people do what's called a Daniel fast. So it's a very selective fast where you don't eat, you don't take the meats and you just eat fruits and vegetables and a few things. In a true Daniel fast, usually there's no sugar and so there's no processed foods uh, or animal products or, or dairy or anything like that. So you go vegan for a while. And so it's kind of tough, all right? But that's another way that you can fast. And then there's a different type of Daniel fast that he did later in his life where he set aside three weeks and it says he was fasting and praying. The Bible says he cut out all meat and wine. And the Bible says he didn't use luxuriant oils and lotions on his skin. So nothing that was luxurious to his lifestyle. And so he deprived himself of the things that he enjoyed. He deprived himself, deprived himself of the things that made his life a little bit easier. And so from that, we derive all types of modern-day fasting. So we come up with all types of modern-day fasting, things that make our life a little easier, things that... Because remember, we're disconnecting from the world. And so for some of you, like, you need to eat. Like, some of you, you should continue eating during these 21 days, but maybe you need to get off Instagram for three weeks. Come on, somebody. You just, some of you are thinking, like, like you just, and maybe you'll be worse than the caffeine addicts. Like, you'll just come, like, did my, did my pocket buzz? Like, did I just, just something, right? You'll be twitching by the end of the day, some of you. Some of you are twitching just thinking about it, just thinking about giving up, giving up that phone. I just encourage you, if you, you give off, some of you need to get off Facebook for 21 days. That'll detox your life right there, all right, everybody? That'll, that'll detox more than vegetables and fruit ever would. That'll get you... Get you cleansed. And there are lots of different ways that you can fast. Some people do what's called a Jewish fast from sunup to sundown. They don't eat. And so when the sun comes up uh, around 6 a.m., right, they don't eat uh, until it goes down. Around here, that's like 2 p.m. Come on, somebody. It's like, I don't know when the, whenever the sun goes. It's not that hard of a fast around here in the wintertime. Uh, but it's, it's actually a really good fast because then it allows you to eat the evening meal with your family. A lot of you, you got to discuss and you got to see what pressures and what things are put on your life and how you're living your life and what kind of things that you're willing to fast. A lot of it's required of you. And so we, we made a resource on the website. It's at victoryharvest.com slash fasting. And you can click on that. Uh, if you'd like some resources, some things to help you throughout the fast, some encouragement, some messages there, uh, just some different things that you can do as you consider what it is that you're going to fast. As you consider those things, just use that resource. Remember, find the thing that works for you to silence the world, to disconnect from the world. Because the perverse part of that, where we get too connected to the world, this is what fasting helps us to take control of. That as in our flesh, we sacrifice, we put to death the flesh so that our spirit can grow. Because remember, all of us are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And so all of those are competing for control of your life. All of those want control of your life. And so my prayer for you at the end of these 21 days is you come out of this with your spirit in control. Because a lot of you, if you're like me, typically, you're coming out of December, right? Your body has too much to say about what you're doing and how you're living your life and what you're eating. A lot of times your body just has too much. And, and my mindset in December, honestly, near the end, I just kind of give up because I know the fast is coming. I just, right around December 26th, I was eating ham and leftover mashed potatoes and Swiss cake rolls at 12 o'clock at night. Come on, somebody. Praise God the fast is here. Because all I want right now are Swiss cake rolls. That's all, all I want in my life. That's what I, that's what I want. But praise God the fast is here. It's coming. I, I know a lot of, it's like this slide that happens at victory from like december 27th until whenever it is we start the fast in january where you're like binge watching netflix till three in the morning right because the kids are sleeping in because they're you know they don't have school and you're just living on caffeine and all that i understand all right that's all there but praise god the fast is here we got to get some of that under control we got to begin to get that under control in our lives where we begin to say okay i'm going to disconnect it's got a little bit too much hold on me i'm going to disconnect from it we're coming out of the season in 2020 where we say okay i'm silencing those i'm going to draw close to god I want to show you in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about this. He says, when you fast, so not if you fast, right? Not if you ever get so spiritual in your life that you are able to fast, or not if you graduate to the upper echelons of Christianity. When you fast, right? He says, everybody do it. It's a part of who you are. 
Do not look somber as the hypocrites do. I love this verse, by the way. This is some of the most practical preaching that you can find in the Bible. Jesus just, he just nailed it. Right where we try to hide it or we try to do. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. I want to take a moment and just let that verse kind of sink in, all right? I just want you to kind of let that one sink in because it's okay to talk to a couple of people about what you're fasting. I'm encouraging you. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your family. Get some ideas. But if you get this spiritual deal about you, you start to get this aura about you like, oh, what are you fasting? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, you're just giving up Instagram. Okay, baby Christian, you're just, you know, that's just, I'm going all, all liquids. You know that? You know that? I did not know that I was more spiritual than you. I did not realize. Did you realize that I was more spiritual than you? you just, I did, and you begin to get that spiritual. Well, whatever response you get, if that person looks at you like, oh, man, you're just, you're just spiritual. Oh, wow, that's, that's incredible. That must be really hard. You're, whatever response you get, enjoy it because that's all you get. That's the only thing, that's, that's as far as you go in this fasting reward system. That's as far as you're going to get. And Jesus said that. He said, you have received your reward in full. You go out to a business lunch and you're like, man, I just, I can't eat because I'm fasting. You know, I, I know you don't go to church, but I go to church. And at my church, we fast. And I, I just, man, I just can't. Well, when they look at you like you're nuts, enjoy that because that's all you get. All right, everybody, that's... <laughs> that's your reward. Jesus said it. That's all. Don't go out of your way to be like, man, I'm fasting. You know, my, my breast stinks because I'm fasting. I'm just, I'm just so tired all the time because I'm fasting. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm missing workouts because I'm fasting. Whatever that person does, whatever they react, that is all the reward that you're going to get. Whatever cross you find to bear in public, whatever way you find to lean on that crutch, whatever it is that you do to make yourself so apparent that you're fasting, that is the reward that you get. Because watch this, everybody. There will always be a reward. Watch what Jesus says in this verse. Check it out. He says, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. Now watch this. There will always be a reward and you get to decide if it's going to come from people or if it's going to come from God. Watch this in the verse. He said, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. So get some makeup on, take a shower, praise the Lord, right? Wash your face, make brush your teeth. Come on, somebody every day, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there's always a reward. And if you make people your deal, if you make people the thing that you're trying to impress, then people will be your reward. If you make that your deal, but if you keep it to yourself, you keep it humble, you keep it, you keep it pure before God, you continue to seek Him, you continue to, let's say, only God sees in secret, then that will be your reward. It doesn't matter what you're fasting, as long as you're drawing close to God and you're disconnecting from the world. I don't care what it is that you're fasting, there will be a reward in the Spirit. There'll be a reward that comes that you're drawing close to the Lord. Some of you, it may take a liquid fast. Some of you, it's, you're being called to that and you get to suffer in silence. Amen, everybody. You get to just suffer before it, but there'll be a spiritual reward on the other side of that that God has called you to. The same reward will be available to those of you who maybe you have to give up talk radio and Instagram and different things that you continue to give up because that's what has its claws in you. Some of you, you don't care what you give up, right? Eating, it's not as big a sacrifice to you. You say, I'll eat a seat cushion as long as you don't, right? You don't take my phone away from me. But it's whatever is the sacrifice that you're giving up. Every one of us has different areas of our life that have a hold on our body and our soul. Different things that have their claws in us. I don't even have Instagram on my cell phone. Praise the Lord. It's just a, it's just a choice I made three years ago not to listen to anybody. It's been fantastic. All right? If I could encourage you, it's been fantastic. So it's not a big deal to me to give that up. Like, I'm just like, give it up for 21 days? Sure, I never had it, right? I'm just, of course, I'll sacrifice that. I'll do that. But some people... 
Some of you are like, some of, some of you are looking at Instagram right now because I said the word Instagram. Like some of you have it out like scroll, right? Refresh, refresh, refresh. Like I got to, like somebody's talking about something somewhere. I just, some of you are in the search bar thinking like the world is talking about something. Some of you are just like somebody somewhere has to be saying it. But it'd be, probably be a good idea to get off the drip for a little bit just to get off that little thing. Some of you, it's caffeine. I have heard about a girl that she didn't give up coffee. She gave up Starbucks. She began to fast from Starbucks. She still went to the gas station for coffee. Come on, somebody. She already, she didn't give up drinking. She just gave up. Some of you are shaking your head no. Some of you are like, amen, sister. That makes sense. That's, that's right there. I just, some of you need to give. It's just fantastic. But it, honestly, and I'll just tell you, some of you need to give up Facebook. In all its various forms, it will change your life. I'm just telling you, people come to me all the time. Did you see what so-and-so posted? Did you see what they, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm so happy. I just, my life is great. I just, I'm a little clueless sometimes. So that's just, it is what it is. But you know, it's, it's, it'll change your life. I'm changing somebody's life today. All right. So for me, fasting, so you just got to, you got to get to a place where you say, I'm giving up what has its claws in me. I'm giving up what has control of me. And this is the thing. It has to hurt. It has to hurt in some way for it to be a true fast. Look at this verse, a verse in Romans. It says, for if you live according to the flesh. So if you don't cut those things out, if you don't get rid of them, if you let them get their claws deep inside of you, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. So how do we do that? We do that by disconnecting from the world. We put to death those misdeeds. We put to death the flesh constantly. We continue just to put it. We continue to get it out of our lives. We continue to say, okay, this is what my body is desiring. I'm going to put that to death during this time of fasting. I'm not going to let it have control over me. Let me tell you something, everybody. Anything you cannot give up owns you. Anything that you cannot give up owns you. So begin to look at that. How am I going to disconnect from the world? How am I going to get its control? And I promise you, it's not my job to tell you what you need to give up. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He does a really good job of letting you know what it is that you should give up. In fact, some of you, without even praying, you already know the thing that you need to give up because you've been thinking about it ever since I started talking about fasting this morning. And you've been trying to convince yourself why that isn't the thing that you should be giving up. You've been trying just to work that, that thing through your mind. So I'm just going to go right, right. That's just a... That's just the spirit of the Lord talking right there. All right. That's just telling you, like, I love broccoli. I'm going to give up broccoli for 21 days. Like, I just I love it. I really I feel like I love it. I just feel like number three, number three, if we're going to do this fast, last or the third to last it's the thing you have to do is you have to change your actions. You have to change your actions. And so if you're going to go into this fast, you've set your target list, you've selected the fast that you're going to choose. Then you've got to change your actions. You've got to shift around your schedule. You've got to change the things that you do. We know what our prayer list is. We know what we're praying for. We know what our fast is. We know what we're giving up. But then we have to change the way that we live. Isaiah 58, it's a great chapter. Go back and read the entire thing. But in verse 3, the children of Israel are kind of fussing at God because they're saying, we fasted, we prayed, but you haven't heard us. And so they're kind of fussing. And they say, why have we fasted and you haven't seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't even noticed? And why haven't you seen us? And so God answers them. I love when he does this. Yet on the day of your fasting, God speaks to them. He says, you do as you please. So he said, you got the prayer target list. You were asking for something. You got that part right. And you, you, you did the fast, I think. You kind of you gave up something. You, but you do as you please. So it really wasn't what I called you to do. It wasn't what I called you to cut out. It wasn't how I called you to live. You still oppress people. You're still treating people the way you always treated them. You're still living your life the way you always lived it. And so you didn't change anything. And so he says, why would, I, why would I hear you? You didn't prioritize the kingdom. You didn't come into my house with prayer. And you didn't come into my house with, with kingdom mind on your mind. So verse 4 says, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. 
And that's what we want for these 21 days. We want to be heard by God. This isn't something we're doing like as a diet. I don't care about you going on a diet, everybody. I care about your spiritual life. And so we want our voice to be heard on high. And so he says, you cannot fast as you do today and expect it. We want to create spiritual momentum. We want God to hear us. We want him to move. And so we're pushing away the things that we say, okay, God, I thank you for the blessings you have in my life. I thank you for the life you've given me. But some of these things have too much of a hold on me. So I'm going to push them away. And then we connect to God and we become kingdom minded again. We begin to change our actions. And God says, if you want your voice to be heard on high, you can't fast the way that you have been. You can't just do whatever you want. You can't just live whatever you want. You can't just do all those things and expect God to move. It's why we pray, by the way, from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. and then 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. It's why we have those two different options, because it's a sacrifice. Just the prayer in itself is a, it's a sacrifice to get up at 4 or 4.30 in the morning and kind of rearrange your day so that you can set aside that time in the morning. Even if you stream it online, we have that hour set aside. Or if you get off at 5 or 5.30, it's a sacrifice to decide, okay, instead of that unwind time, I'm, I'm going to set aside this hour and I'm going to seek God. It's a sacrifice, but you want to get something out of this time of fasting. There's got to be a sacrifice involved. You've got to change your actions. You've got to get your eyes off your own things and you've got to begin to look around and see the kingdom. You've got to begin to change your schedule. And some of you, it's going to be difficult. You might be, some of you that are going without where you're deficient in calories, just just a practical talk we're having this morning. You might be deficient, right? It's going to be a challenge. Some of you, by like day three, you're yelling at your family. You're just, you're screaming, you're shouting. That's not what God has called you to. So a lot of times it's a sacrifice to continue to be in the kingdom mindset, continue to see how God wants you to live even while the fast is going on. It's what he's called us to do. You got to make some adjustments in your world. I like to slow things down in January. I don't I try not to travel at all. I try not to start any big projects to try to just kind of slow it down because I want to spend as much time as possible in the presence of the Lord. I try not to plan the year and try to look at everything until I've spent time in his presence. I try to spend that time in his presence as much time as I possibly can during this time that we set it aside. We fast and we pray and we silence the world. We don't let the world talk. We don't let all that chatter, everything that gets in that keeps us from hearing the voice of God. Just want to encourage you to do that. Like be here for prayer. Open your heart and worship. Continue to read your Bible. I encourage you, this is the best time possible to get into a time of devotion, even if it's like five minutes a day. If you don't want to do the Bible reading with us, find another devotion. Find something that works for your schedule, for you, something that you understand, something that you feel good about, and get that discipline into your life. It could be one minute a day. Start small, but you started it. I just encourage you to get that into your life and then look at some time of devotion that can continue after the 21 days. Just a discipline you can get inside of you because this is your chance to do it. Your chance to change the way that you have your schedule, change the way you live your life, change your actions because you want your voice to be heard on high. You want your prayers to be heard by God. So I'd encourage you to do that. Find that order. Make some changes in your schedule. And then finally, as we close, final thing we're going to do is we're going to expect God to move. We're going to begin to step into spiritual breakthrough. We're going to begin to expect God to move because he will. We know that he will. We've seen so many times in 21 days of prayer and fasting, so many miracles take place, so many answers to prayer. We spread the prayer cards on the front of the altar here, and we just begin to pray over them during these hours. We just continue to pray over them. We spread those out, and then we continue. We take those off when we get a praise card, and you should see the prayers that are answered in these 21 days. We just begin to take those off the altar and begin to thank God for what he's doing, begin to praise him for what he's doing. Jesus said, when you fast, he anticipated us to fast. So I don't know why we wouldn't. He he expected us to fast because it's such a powerful thing in our lives. It's such a powerful thing in our in our spiritual lives. When we begin to fast, we begin to just to separate ourselves from the world. And I think that's one of the greatest lies of the devil that he's been able to disconnect us from the fast because of how powerful it is. 
Because nothing happens in the natural till it happens in the spiritual. You want breakthrough in the spiritual, you fast. You want to see something come about, you fast. You want to begin to pray and have your voice heard on high. You want that in your life, you begin to fast. Begin to decide what it is that you're going to give up. Look, if I can give you any piece of advice, if you haven't heard anything else this morning, I'm not asking you to show up and just hang out with us for an hour every day. It's not about numbers. It's not about that thing. You can do this on your own. You can do this with your family, but you need to do it. You need to do this in your life. You get that discipline of fasting in your life. You begin to see things move. Isaiah 58 and verse 8, look at these things that happen when you fast. So the Lord is saying, if you'll fast the way that I'm calling you to, if you'll disconnect yourself from the world, you'll begin to connect yourself to God, you'll get your eyes off of what's right in front of you, you get your eyes on the people around you, you become kingdom-minded, you see the brokenness, you see the needs of other people. If you begin to live a life like that, and if I can encourage you, we have these in the foyer, they're just called random acts of kindness cards. And the, the front just says something extra to show God loves you. And on the back, it just says, and so do we. From the church, if I would encourage you, begin to attach these. As you change your schedule, as you change your actions, you begin to get your eyes off of just yourself and see the kingdom and the needs around you. Begin to attach these. Take as many as you want when you go home today and just begin, use one of these each week of the fast. Say, Lord, lead me to somewhere, some person that I can make a difference in. I don't know if you're paying for somebody's meal at a drive-thru or you leave an extra tip at the restaurant. Whatever it is that you begin to make a difference in people's lives, you get your eyes off of your own self and on the kingdom. And the Lord says, if you fast like that, if you begin to see the needs around you, you begin to fast, you change your actions, you begin to pray and seek God, you begin to fast like that, here's what will happen. Then your light will break forth like the noonday. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. Here I am. You will cry for help. He'll say, here am I. You begin to cry those. And then in verse 9, in the verse, he says, the Lord will guide you always. He'll satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters will never fail. You want that for your life. You want that. You begin to fast. You begin to seek God. You begin to get your eyes off of those, the things that are to you. You begin to get your eyes on the kingdom. You begin to do like that and God says a blessing. You will never hear God's voice more clearly than during a fast. You'll never begin to hear his voice more clearly. You want direction in your life. This is the chance to do it. Some of you are crying out, I want God to speak to me. He speaks during the fast. You want that in your life, these 21 days. I love and I hate the fast all at the same time. I'll just be honest with you. I love and I hate it all the same because my flesh despises the idea of being put to death. It hates the idea of being deprived. It doesn't like that idea of being pushed to the side, of being disconnected from the world. But I'm telling you, some of the greatest ideas, some of the greatest breakthroughs, some of the greatest miracles, some of the greatest sermons, some of the greatest things that we've ever seen have come out of the 21 days. Some of the greatest healing, some of the greatest things in people's marriages, in families, in lives have come out of these 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm convinced it's why our church exists. It's why we've been able to have people get saved and give their lives because we've set aside this part of the year, this first that we dedicate to the Lord. And we ask Him for His presence and we seek Him in our lives. Nothing happens without the presence of God. We're putting Him first. If you'll join me for these 21 days, I guarantee you, you will see changes in your spiritual life. You will see changes. You will see breakthrough in your life. You will see God answer prayers. You begin to seek Him. God, how do you want to move? What do you want to touch? What do you want to do in my life? How do you want to change me? How do you want my family to move? What, What is this, God? How do you want this to answer? You begin to seek Him for these 21 days. 
And then you begin to select your fast. You say, okay, what am I going to give up? Lord, what do you want me to sacrifice? What has its claws in me? What do I need to disconnect from? How do I need to silence the world? You begin to do those things. Then you change your schedule. You change your, your motives. You change your actions. And then you go into these 21 days expecting God to move. Amen, everybody. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for these 21 days, Lord, that they're not comfortable. They're not easy, God. Nothing about it is easy, but we thank you for the opportunity to seek you and to push away the voices of the world. And so this morning, I just want to pray over you. That God would continue to lead you, that God would begin to speak to you. That he would bless you during these 21 days. Before I do that, though, I just want to invite those of you who are here this morning. And maybe you're hearing all of this, but you're thinking, I'm not even to that yet. I, I, just, I just made a resolution. You know, I just want to get my life right in 2020. I'm just, I'm just here. And God drew you to this moment. If that's you, you say, well, it was just a resolution. I just want to get my life back on track. And so, you know, I thought I'd show up to church. God drew you to this moment. And he's drawing you to a relationship with him. And if I could just explain that to you, it's not something that's out to embarrass you. It's not something that we're going to make you stand up or come to the front. But if Jesus is drawing you, it's time to make a decision to have a relationship with him. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that, but Jesus didn't come to make you guilty. He came to set you free. He came to set you free. And so if you came in here this morning and you don't know really why you came and you don't know why you're sitting in that seat, but you think, I just, I got to get my life back on track. I promise you it starts with a relationship with Christ. And you can have that this morning with just one simple prayer. One simple prayer of surrender. Now I'll tell you this morning, it's the easiest thing you will ever do, but it will cost you everything. Because it's surrender of your life to him saying, I can't do it on my own. I accept your sacrifice on the cross. I surrender my life to you. So we're going to pray with you this morning. That's you. You say, I want to make that decision. Every head bowed, every eye closed. But come on, church, we're going to pray this prayer with those who want to make that decision for the first time or those who are coming back to Christ. So that's you today. You're going to pray this prayer. I'm going to give you the words, but you've got to mean it in your heart. So come on, church, let's pray this. Just say, dear Jesus, forgive me for all of my sin. Make me brand new. I need you in my life. I surrender to you. Now, come on, church, say this. I make you the Lord of my life. I want to live for you in Jesus' name. Now, God, I thank you for this amazing group of people. God, I thank you for the incredible things that you've already done in our lives, in our communities, in our families. God, I thank you for the things that you're going to do in this new year, the things of breakthrough that are coming in these 21 days. And so I pray that you give us the strength to begin to disconnect from the world. For some of us, Lord, the world has its cause so deep in us, Lord. For some of us, it's going to be a challenge. I pray for strength in these 21 days that we're able to disconnect and then we're going to run to you. Lord, we want to be a catalyst for a move of God. We want you to use us. And Lord, I pray for opportunities in our city, opportunities in our businesses, opportunities in our families, opportunities in our lives where you bring people 
that you can use us to reach. Holy Spirit, reveal exactly how you want us to move, who you want us to touch. And then Holy Spirit, I want you right now, Lord, just begin to point out in our lives the things you want us to give up. The things you want us to fast, the things we need to disconnect from. That we can hear the voice of God clearly. Lord, we thank you again for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for what you're going to do in these 21 days. We thank you for miracles. We thank you for healings. Lord, we thank you for spiritual breakthroughs. We thank you for marriages being reconnected. We thank you for families being healed. We thank you for children who are lost coming back. God, we thank you for how you're going to move. We expect you to move. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's church said, Amen.